Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We want to get into the truth today. Today's topic is about abiding in the truth, abiding in the truth. And here at the Rhodes Church, we believe that the Word of God is the truth. So we get excited about it. We get a little pumped whenever we open the Bible because we believe the Bible is the one place we can trust on hearing the truth. So if you've got it, Mount Carmel, E-Roads family, Norris City, let's get pumped as we open our Bibles today to 1 John chapter 2. Woo! 1 John chapter 2. A little bit excited, a little pumped. Don't you think, Chad, you should tone it down a little bit? We've got problems going on in the world. Listen, I want to tell you something. Don't ever tone down your passion for Jesus. Because the world is not looking for that. They're looking for something that's going to change their life. And sometimes church is tempting to, hey, let's make people feel comfortable. And There are plenty of places you can go to feel comfortable. This isn't that place. Our goal is for God to encounter you, wreck your life, and change you from the inside out. I don't care if you feel comfortable or not. I want you to encounter the King of kings and Lord of lords. So we're not, the Bible calls us, tells us to be salt. You know what salt does? Salt makes people thirsty. I'm a little bit right now. So your life should be something that makes people thirsty to want to be. Like, what do you have? What's different about you? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God living on the inside of me. So we're not going to tone it down because we want to exalt him. He's the one you should be following. All right, that has nothing to do with the message, but I thought it was good. Uh, Abiding in the truth. Abiding in the truth. People are hungering and thirsting for the truth right now. You hear it all over. They're searching for it. Uh, The censorship that's going on in uh, social media, uh, it will not be limited to certain political parties. I want to be clear about this. It will continue to expand to anyone who does not line up with the agenda or narrative of those in charge. So it will spread into Christianity and into Christian values, it will continue to grow unless something changes. So when you make sure we're uh, talking about these things in a relevant manner, and that's why we discuss it here, Uh, we talked last week about my trip to Washington, D.C., and immediately when I heard, or people heard that I went, uh, they put me in this camp over here, that you're one of those people, and uh, I talked about that. Some people asked, hey, are we going to talk about that some more? I'm like, I'm trying to figure out when and how I can do that, if there's a good place. I just don't want to ramble on about details of the story. All I wanted to do is say, hey, here's where I was. I went because a friend invited me so that I could take a tour of the White House. That was really cool. If you've never done that, I recommend that. Number two, I want, while I'm in town, I want to go and just support as I'm uh, fighting for freedom of speech and fighting for religious liberty. That's what I'm standing for. I'm not, my son asked me one day, we were driving, and uh, it's not too long ago, he said, hey, Dad, are we, are we Republicans? And I said, no, we are Christians. I want him to know the difference. Because we're serving Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he never lost an election because he was never up for office. <laughs> he was never put on a ballot. He's just who he is. So I went and uh, I saw some incredible things. You know, the the hundreds of thousands of people that I was with, I said it last week, I'll reiterate it. There's been things on the news, videos you can see. It was not an angry mob of people storming the Capitol. The hundreds of thousands of people that I was with, when we got to the Capitol, yes, there was a different group of people. And anyone who went into the Capitol, I'm all for them being prosecuted. They did not need to be going into the building. Whoever they're with, I'm just saying that was not the purpose of the rally. 
And some of that's getting misconstrued. So I'm not saying that to be pro-Trump. I'm just saying that's the truth of what I saw. Deal with it and however it works for you. But uh, I do want to make one correction about what I said last week. I said that the CDC was not a governmental agency, but it's privately funded. And what I meant by that, to focus on that, is that the CDC is a, dep- is a part of the Department of Health and Human Services, but the CDC Foundation is a private group that funds, it's a nonprofit that funds the agency. So what I'm talking about in the CDC is about the ability for individuals to privately give money that may or may not influence the decision of that organization. And I've got a list of some do- large, large dollar amounts by some donors that I could give you, but I'm going to pass on that today. And uh, maybe I can tell you that some other time or you can catch me. But there are individuals that could be swaying that. So that's why we be careful on who we get our truth from. Whether it's in the medical field, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the political arena, we want to make sure we're getting the truth. All right? Uh, so why are we talking about people you know, saying things like this? Like, what happened just coming to church and talking about Jesus? Why do we have to get into all these things that they seem are political? This is the problem. People that are struggling with us talking about current events don't understand that the issue that we're facing today is not Republican versus Democrat. It is not liberal versus conservative. It is Christ versus Antichrist. Good versus evil. That's it. If you think it's less than that, if you think it's something else, then you're already deceived. And we've got to come out of that. We've got to come out of that. We've got to wake up and realize, hey, it's bigger It's bigger than that, so we can get off of our political stumps and we can get back on the Bible and pointing to Jesus. So we're going to address it from a political standpoint because I believe this, you will either have a socio-political based view of life and you will run a filter of your biblical views through that, or you will have a biblical based view of life and you will run your socio-political views through that. Unfortunately, even in the church, some Christians will sacrifice their biblical views to be loyal to their socio-political views. And so that's what I'm telling you. As we're in these times and these hours, this time of of history, we need to be careful. We're not just battling uh, against political parties. We're battling against righteousness and unrighteousness. So it is what it is. It's a challenge. As a pastor, I said, and, and Sonny said it so well, 2020 has been a unique year. Pastoring a church in 2020 has been educational. You know, because you got people driving from miles, so thankful that we're open. Just, you know, sending us, sending us letters, sending us messages saying, hey, thank you so much. We're so grateful. And then you got people that's been here for a long time that's not coming, maybe upset that we're open. And you have to deal with that dynamic. Or maybe people's coming because they just don't feel safe. Whatever the reason, no shade or condemnation. You do what you got to do. You do whatever you feel right. We try and have the overflow room available for both services. If you want to come, wear a mask, be out there, social distance, all that's available for you. Here's what we cannot do. We cannot isolate ourselves from our relationship with Jesus. We have to press in for more of that. The world wants to push you out of that, and we need to press in more for that. So however you do that, it's between you and the Lord. But have you found uh, 1 John yet? That was quite an introduction to let you find it. Oh, wow, I'm going to have to really hurry now. 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 18. Here's what it says. Little children, it is the last hour. Now, this is John writing to some believers, and he says it is the last hour. Keep in context, this letter was written in 90 A.D., roughly. 90 A.D. So it's about a little over 1,900 years ago. 
So in 1900 years ago, John tells them, hello, it's the last hour. Well, if it was the last hour 1900 years ago, how many knows it's closer to the last hour today? And you're like, well, that does, that's just not relative. It, it doesn't com- compute to us nowadays. Hang on, because some people have said this. Well, you Christians, you're always talking in apoc- apocalyptical language and trying to scare people and stir people up. There's nothing going on. Everything's fine. People are just people, and it's just the normal flow. Good. You know, it's, I'm telling you, it's more so the last hour than it's ever been. And here's how I want to point this out. From the heavenly time clock, think about it this way. In 2 Peter The Bible says that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So if this was 1900 and, what did I say, 31 years ago? If a a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day, God's speaking to us today in 2021, and he's saying, hey, you know when I told John that, that it was the last hour? That was less than two days ago. From heaven's perspective, he's like, that just seems like it was yesterday. Because it was to him, you know? Why am I saying that? Don't get nervous about our time clocks. God is faithful to perform his word, and he's not concerned about our time clocks. He's concerned about his time clock. All right, let's go on. Last, so it's the last hour, and you've heard, here's what he's telling them, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. He's, let's just say he's writing this letter or preaching a sermon to them. The Antichrist is coming means he's not here. That's an individual that's coming. Even now, many antichrists have come. Two differences. He's telling them 1,931 years ago, antichrist is coming, show enough. But in addition to that, many antichrists are already here. He was saying that 1,900 years ago. So what does that fast forward to 2021? God's saying, yeah, the Antichrist is coming. I believe he's already alive on the earth today, and we just don't, he hasn't been revealed yet. Uh, but we'll talk about that maybe in part 37 of this series. But, if, <laughs> but, uh, but the thing that I want to emphasize for us today is that many Antichrists have already come, or right now there are already Antichrists in the earth today. What does that mean? What does the word Antichrist mean? One who opposes Christ... Or sets himself in the place of Christ, usurping the role of Christ. What is the goal of Antichrist? Two things through this definition. Number one, and if I didn't tell you, I'm sorry, sermon notes are available in the YouVersion Bible app if you haven't found that already. I had sermon notes this week, so yay. I was in town. But anyway, so number one, what was I saying? Antichrist, who opposes Christ. The first thing, the Antichrist. So we're not talking about the person Antichrist. We're talking about an ideology or a personality, a way of thinking, a way of behaving, a way of acting. We're not looking for a fleshly person in the context of this scripture. We're talking about a way of thinking, a set of values. There's many Antichrists have come. And here's their goal. Number, one, number two things. Number one is to oppose Christ, to oppose Christ. What does that mean? To oppose what he stands for what he believes in, what he says. So, Chad, Chad, who do we listen to? Who do we look to? Who do we trust? Who do we vote for? Who do we support? Anyone who opposes Christian principles or Christ himself is of the Antichrist. That sounds a little harsh. I'm just saying, let's put it this way. It doesn't mean they're possessed by the devil. Let me bring it home, not to you, I'll bring it home to me so you feel better about yourself. Anytime 
I listen to a voice that leads me to make a decision or perform an action that does not line up with Christ, I have listened to and been influenced by the voice of Antichrist. Does that make you feel better? Pray for me. Right? So, so I don't want you to think demon, Antichrist, like some extreme. It's telling us this, that the Antichrist ideology or mindset is going to oppose Christ. So now, this is, tells me who do I support, who do I listen to politically, socially, culturally. Number one, hey, do you support Christ? Do you believe Jesus is the Christ? Well, I'm not really a religious person. Check. Were you telling me they can't have anything good to say? I'll get back to that later. So they're going to, number one, they're going to oppose Christ, Christian values. Number two, they're going to set them, himself up in the place of or usurp the role of Christ. So what does the spirit of Antichrist do? What does the ideology of Antichrist do? What is it going to try to do to you and me? It's going to try and get in the place of Christ or usurp the role of Christ. What does that mean? The usurp means to seize and hold in position by force or without right. What should the role of Christ be in your life and my life? He should be Lord. So how do I recognize if I'm being influenced by the Antichrist mentality? Anything that tries to usurp Jesus as being Lord is Antichrist. Now we have many things in our world today that's going to try and usurp Jesus from being the Lord of your life, and one of them's you, your flesh, me. We're going to have our own opinions. So here's what we have to be aware of. Anything that's going to try and take the role of him. Could be money. Money loves to take the role of Christ. Money loves to usurp the role of Jesus making the decisions for my life. Your job, uh, positions, attention, feelings, emotions, opinions of others, news, cultural values. All of these things are going to try and usurp the role of Christ in your life. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. It's going to happen at times. I get it. It happens for me. But when we recognize it, when God brings it to our attention, we repent and say, okay, Jesus, forgive me. You tell me. You show me what to do in that situation. That's the Antichrist. So now let's go on. Verse 19. Antichrist is coming, but there's many Antichrists right now that we've got to deal with, by which we know that this is the last hour. Verse 19. They, who's they? The mindset, the ideology the thinking, the values of the Antichrist spirit, they, those people, those, those voices, they went out from us. What's John saying? Hey, they started with us. They looked like us. They went out from us. That's a Greek word that means origin. Like they were in our group. They, they might look like one of us, but they were not of us, the Bible says. Think of Judas Iscariot walking around with the disciples and Jesus every day. He was one of the disciples, but he was full of the devil. So that's what he's saying. Eventually, was Judas manifested? Well, let's read on and see what happens. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's what happens when you preach once before you start this group. But it says, they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They would have abided with us. They would have endured with us. They would have stayed for the long haul. But they went out. They went out. In other words, they went out from us. They were exposed that they might be manifest or made known, revealed for people to see it, to see the difference that none of them were of us. Here's what God's saying. There are going to be people, there are going to be thoughts, there's going to be opinions that's going to come to you in your life, and this is why we have to discern between good and evil, because some people are going to look like everybody else, they're going to sound like everybody else, they're going to talk a good Christian talk, 
But eventually, there's going to be a manifestation of the difference in good versus evil. And we have to be aware of that. We have to be looking for it. We have to be aware that some people are going to talk a good game and say all the right things to try and sell you that we're good people. But beware, eventually, manifestation will come and you will be able to pick it out. This is what I believe is going to happen in the United States of America. There's people that's among good that they're trying to hide, but God says there's a manifestation coming and they're going to be exposed and evil will be revealed because God will reign in the earth. But there has to be a manifestation of evil. And it's got to happen for everyone to see it. It has to happen in a way where it's not Republican versus Democrat. It has to happen where Republican and Democrat see evil for what it is and they unite together to come against evil. That's the difference. Because right now we're so divided over loyalty to party or people or something, blah, 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 blah. We need to get loyal around Jesus and righteousness. And then when the Democrats and Republicans begin to point out the evil in their own parties and say, you got to go, that's when we'll have revival. As far as in our government, we're going to have revival in the church long before that. But that's when we're going to see changes in our government. It's going to be when we come unified around one common goal. It's about having everything manifest that needs to be manifest to expose wickedness and evil intentions in our country. Let's go on to verse 20. But you have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You have an anointing from the Holy One. So what's going to help us to know the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error? What's going to help us know what's the truth and what's not the truth? Right here is where verse 20 is where I want to bring the church back to God's idea of knowing the truth. He said, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Know all things. Better translation for that would be that you all know. So you have anointing from the Holy One and you all know. God's wanting us to depend on a Jesus or a Holy Spirit GPS system and stop depending on a social media or news GPS system. Here's what I've seen, and I, I'm going to put myself in the camp of anybody else. I don't want to be condescending with this comment, but I want to speak truth to the church. What I've observed is too many in the church have put themselves in a position that we had our services and we were more moral people, but we still got our information on the same way everybody else did. We watched the news, thumb through social media. We got all of our information about what's going to happen, and we came to church, but we did not read our Bible in a way that we got our directions from God. We wanted to find out, well, what's going on? What's happening? And we look at the news and we rise and fall based on what the news says instead of being grounded by the anchor of the word and what God is speaking into our life. So God is calling the church back to a relationship. It's amazing. He's calling the church back. He's not calling the world back. He's calling the church back to a relationship with his word. That we get it off the shelf and say, wait a minute, every day I'm going to get up and see what mood God wants me to have. I'm not waiting for Good Morning America or, or Good Morning Fox or whatever show to tell me what my day's going to be like. I want the, the, right, the King of Kings to tell me what my morning's going to be like. I was trying to think of, yeah, I was trying to think of something else that just wasn't there. Sometimes you grasp for it and it's just gone. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? I want to challenge you and encourage you. Get back in a relationship with the Word of God that every day, I'm not saying study it for eight hours. 
but get up and the first thing you do, go through a devotional, read through some scripture, pray and say, God, I give you my first thoughts and let's let the truth of God mold our thought process. He says, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. That's why I was saying earlier. So coming back to that, who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. What is that telling me? I'm going to base my value system on who I listen to based on their relationship with Jesus. That news anchor that's telling you what's happening on whatever network that you're watching, do you know anything about the relationship with Jesus? Do you realize that most of those news anchors write their own monologue on what they're presenting based on their own personal values? So now if I'm watching them and I'm determining what my mood's going to be today on what they say, do I understand? Do they even acknowledge that Jesus is Lord? If they don't acknowledge Jesus is Lord, then I'm going to say most of the thing coming out of their mouth could be a lie. I'm just saying, I'm speaking to the church that we've got to get off the roller coaster of the media and get our firm foundation of what God's saying in our life and be encouraged. We win. We win. Walking around depressed and discouraged because we're looking for worldly information to prop us up. And I'm telling you, we got to have our hope in what Jesus says. It's a lie. So now let's go on. Verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you. Somebody say abide. Here's what abide means. To continue to remain or stay in a certain state, condition, or activity. To keep on. To endure. To endure. So he says, therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. What did you hear? He wasn't talking about a song you heard or noise he heard. He's talking about the words that he taught them. So he's saying, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. Beginning of what? Before you got nervous, before you got anxious, before you lost hope and got discouraged. Let that word abide in you that you heard from the beginning. A lot of times God can speak to something into our hearts in the beginning of a tragedy, but how many knows a few days, a weeks, months into that, it's a little more difficult to go back and hang on to what God said in the beginning. Sometimes we got to remind ourselves, what did God say? I know what they're saying now. I know what it looks like now. I know what it sounds like now. I know that, but i got to go back to the beginning and say, wait a minute, what did God tell me? From the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. So two things I want to point out. The determining factor of whether we're going to be able to remain or stay, like abide in the Son and the Father, notice what it says. The determining factor whether we can abide or stay in, sorry, abide or stay in the Son and the Father is our ability to abide in the Word of God. I'm laying it out to you on Seek Week. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up your Bible more than you've ever opened up before. And I want you to abide in the Word. Abide in the Word. We've got to get back to basics. See, we're not here for making attenders. We're here for making disciples. I'm telling you what the body of Christ is going to face. And I'm going to read to you. God woke me up again this week, and I'm so excited. He's... Uh, it's like, Lord, I have office hours, but he is, doesn't care about my office hours. 
and I'm going to share with you what he gave me. But what I'm trying to, trying to say, and we started it in 2020, we talked about we shall overcome, and we talked in basic training, making of soldiers. I'm telling you, the body of Christ has to rally around what God is saying in our life, and we're going to be held up and we're going to endure based on our relationship with the promises of the Word of God because we're not going to be moved by what man says. We're not going to be moved by what, what we hear or what we see. We're going to be moved by what God is whispering into our hearts. That's the way we got to live our life, right? That's where we're supposed to. All right, I'll get back to that. So uh, verse 26, these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. The words try to in my Bible are in italics. That means it was added. So the original reading would be something like this. These things I've written to you concerning those who deceive you. So in other words, we will have an opportunity to be deceived. People are going to try and deceive you. This is why people need to listen to what God's saying. Verse 27, but. That's a big but right there. Put them together. Written to you concerning those who deceive you, but. Verse 27, but. So we got deception going on, evil going on, all this stuff trying to deceive us, but. Verse 27, but the anointing. Somebody say the anointing. The anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing, that word anointing, I give you there in your sermon notes, means to smear, to rub, to apply, or to endow with, to appoint, to assign to a task with supernatural endowment. A supernatural endowment. So I'm talking about the anointing. The anointing which you have received, that word receive means to grab hold of and take for yourself, to possess for yourself. It's laying out there available for you. The anointing which you have received from him abides where? Abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is what God wants you and I to depend on and rely on. It's in us. It's with us. No matter what's said, no matter what's not said, he wants us to be guided by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. How's the church going to prevail in times of great deception? By the anointing in your life. I don't know what to do. It's going crazy in this world. I know. Pray and allow the anointing of God to teach you what you should do. This is our secret weapon, man. It's the Holy Spirit. This is what we have that the world doesn't have. This is what we have that the devil can't deal with. He can't hang with you. He can't run with you. Because on his best day when he tries to onslaught you, all you got to do is slip over into the wisdom and guidance of the Holy Spirit, and he has no answer for that. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. It abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. It doesn't mean you're smarty pants and you don't listen to anybody anymore. That's not what it's saying. It just means that you don't depend. Your source is not people. Your source is the Holy Spirit. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning how many things? Church things? As the same anointing teaches you concerning just church things on Sunday. No, as the same anointing teaches you concerning politics. As the same anointing teaches you with your schoolwork. As the same anointing teaches you how to run a business. The same anointing teaches you how to make money when things are going to go in a different direction, when everybody else is losing money, somehow you're making money. Oh, we don't want to talk about that. That's right. We just want to keep it in church stuff and things that are irrelevant to our everyday life. The Holy Spirit anointing will teach you how to be a better husband, teach you how to be a better wife, teach you how to be a better mother, a better father. The anointing will teach you in all things. And is true and is not a lie. And just as it's taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, here's what we need to do. Abide in him. Don't abide in election results or media news or what they're saying. Abide in him. That when he appears, 
we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Hey, good news, Jesus is going to appear. He's coming. Wow, wow. You guys are jacked about that. That's fire. That statement right there is fire. Hey, Jesus, really, and I'm not doing this to hype a reaction. I'm just telling you to reemphasize. Jesus is coming back. And here's what you need to know. You need to be on Team Jesus. Don't get scared about what's happening in the world if you're on Team Jesus. Don't get shook about what's happening in the world if you're on Team Jesus. Because look at the difference. When Jesus appears, there's going to be two different responses. Some are going to be ashamed and some are going to have confidence. I want to be in the confidence camp when Jesus returns. I don't want to be in the ashamed camp. Anybody ever been doing something you knew you weren't, weren't supposed to be doing and someone walked in and caught you? Yeah, look at you. Blank face like, no, never, <laughs> never happened. Liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I know I have. And, uh, you know, whenever that moment you're doing something, you know it's not right. Maybe you yourself know it's right, but you're just, whatever you're doing, and someone walks in, and the moment they walk in, all of a sudden there's awareness that you had, but it just, like, slaps you in the face type awareness. That's what it's going to be when Jesus returns. It's going to be awareness to the world of, wow, all that religious stuff and church stuff, it was real. He's there. And some people are going to be in the camp of being ashamed in that moment. And some people are going to be like, yes! I would sacrifice being in the weirdo camp now to be in the confident camp then. I don't care if I'm in a small group of people who think I'm just Fruit Loops and lost my marbles and cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs or whatever. I'm just saying in that moment, he's coming and I'm going to be confident when he shows up. Jesus. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is righteousness with him. So now, here's what I want to read. Again, this was 1233 on 1.13 a.m. I'm like, Lord, we need to work through this. And just so some of you know, I want to be always transparent. Because like, I know people, when people say things like this, and it used to happen to me all the time. When people say something, they heard something from God or got up and God gave them something. They're so, I'd be so intimidated. I'm like, God never does that to me. He never speaks to me. And you're probably thinking that right now. And you're thinking, oh, I just get up and the moment I just say, oh, Lord, let me climb into the mountain and hear the voice of the Lord. No, at 1233, what I do is I say, I'm going back to bed. And God began, said something to me. I just went to the bathroom. I'm minding my own business. I'm trying to make my way back to the bed. And I hear God say, I want to talk to you about the days ahead. And I'm like, I want to go back to sleep. This is how it works. So I went back to bed. I know it would be great for me to say that I immediately went into the room and began kneeling before the Lord. No, I said, I'm going back to bed. I went back to sleep. And he keeps saying, I want to talk to you about the plans, of, plans uh, days ahead. And like, so I argued for 30 minutes. Finally, 1 o'clock a.m., I get up and start typing. So just so you don't feel bad, I want you to feel, I'm, I'm just a real dude like you that loves to sleep in the middle of the night. Okay? But, but, here's what's happening. It's one of the values of prayer and fasting. I'm hearing the voice of the Lord more clearly and it's like, I know it's him, and i got to make a choice. Do I want to hear from heaven, or do I want to sleep? Right now in our world, we need to hear from God. We need to hear from God. Don't depend on me to hear from God for you. Come on, come on. We all have the Holy One living on the inside of us. He wants to speak to you just like he wants to speak to me. All right, so here's what he said. i got to hurry. Uh, he said, I want to talk to you about the days ahead. The days ahead will be days of adventure and trials like you've never experienced before in your life. These times will also be times of celebration and victory like you've never seen before as well. This combination 
is what you experience when you walk by faith and not by sight. The idea of wanting to know how things are going to turn out before they happen comes from a desire to control without a relationship with the one who is leading you. Ouch. I know I took it hard. My desire is to, this is God speaking to us. My desire is to lead you in the path that you will go out of a place of love and affection for you. My intention for you is to follow me from that same place of love and affection in return. I never intended for you to experience life through the lens of your own limited wisdom and understanding. I want you to see it through my eyes and my understanding. This requires you to trust me and follow me when the path is unknown to you. My desire for you is to release my kingdom through you so that the world can see me through you. I'm looking for conduits that are more focused on what flows through them than they are what flows to them. You will benefit from what flows through you even though you will not be the focal point of it. I desire to reveal to you truths that you have not known before, but this level is only found in intimacy with me. I want to show you things that are to come as I did with Daniel and the prophets of old. But this requires you to remain close to me at all times and be familiar with my voice. I love you, Chet. Insert your name there. And I need for you to be a voice for me in this hour to declare the truths that are not being talked about on a grand scale. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life to you. So listen closely and do not be disturbed by what you hear. The whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. Then the end shall come. But this will be preceded by times of trial and devastation in areas of the earth like people have never seen before. The challenges that my people will face will be intense at times, but my presence will be a shield about them, and I will protect them in times of trouble. The race will not be to the swift, but to the steady. So gird yourself for battle and do not be deceived. The enemy comes as a roaring lion to deceive as many as he can, but... My light shall shine brightly in the land for all to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. There is hope in the midst of trial and there is peace in the midst of opposition. Do not be discouraged when you fall or when it seems as though victory is out of reach. My hand is not too short that it cannot save and the odds against you should never be the determining factor for your obedience. That's powerful. I don't, I don't care what the odds are stacked against you, what God's asking you to do. Don't allow what the odds look like to determine whether you obey or not. Put your hope in the one who told you, not in whether you can see how it's going to play out or not. My word to you is sure and tested, so stand on my word as though it is the firm foundation that I have declared it to be in your life. The days ahead will be victorious for my people but they will be accompanied by challenges on every side. I am raising up a people who've been grafted in by the blood of Jesus and know who they are in me. The identity of the believer has been lost in the hearts of many due to a lack of teaching and training about the principles of the kingdom and the truths of my word. I will not leave you nor forsake you in the days ahead, but do not be surprised by the idea of walking by faith and not by sight. This is the way that I said the just are supposed to live. Yet my people have forgotten the requirements that are involved in that type of relationship. There must be trust on your part in ways and places where you cannot see, hear, or know what is about to happen. But continue to follow my lead from a place of sincere dependency. I trust you, but the question is, do you trust me? I will not fail you and I will not lead you astray. Set your affections on me. 
and do not look to the right or to the left. The hour has come for my people to know that there is a God in heaven who rules and reigns in the earth. My intentions for you are above your expectations. So lift up your hopes to a new level and do not live below what I have for you. This life is supposed to be a life of faith, but you have settled for a life of comfort and knowing. The reason you do not experience fulfillment is because fulfillment is only found in a relationship with me that consists of adventure and trust. You were not created to live within the confines of your own understanding and logic. You were created to dream with me about the possibilities that go far beyond your limited abilities and experience a life of supernatural partnership based on fellowship and mutual agreement. I know what I can do, but the problem is that you don't know what you can do with me. Will you dream with me? Will you come close enough to see a life that you did not think possible? I have plans for you that will bring great fulfillment into your life, but these plans were never meant to be plans of you accomplishing something to only benefit yourself without me. You are a gift to the world, and that gift can only be benefited from out of a connection to the vine, your source of life. I'm ready to perform my word in you and through you, so stay connected to me and do not be deceived. We have much to accomplish in the earth for my kingdom to come and my will to be done as it is in heaven. The time has come and I will be glorified in the earth. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to show you something. I want to close with this. A pattern that I'm seeing. The word that I gave last week, the one I'm giving this week. God is calling out the Christians to remember what we're going to face in this world. That just when somebody says we're going to have victorious days, it doesn't mean we're not going to have difficult days. We got to put our faith and hope in God. I was reminded this week, I'm reading Acts chapter 14. Paul had just been stoned. Not to death, he survived. He got up, the disciples got around him, he, and they prayed, and he got up, and he goes back, he goes on to these other cities, and it says when he preached the gospel to that city, he made many disciples, and they returned. He returned back to the places where he had gone, where he'd received persecution, strengthening the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. So Paul comes back, and he gives them this message. He wants to strengthen them and exhort them. What do you think that pregame speech is going to be like? That Lambo speech. I'm going to exhort and strengthen the squad. I'm coming back to my team. I'm going to come back and give them a message. Going to pump them up. Strengthen them. Exhort them. What does he say? Here's what he says. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Paul, you need to work on your pregame speech a little bit. He doesn't need to work on the pregame speech. We need to lurk, work on how we listen and understand the gospel is that we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. But look at the wording there. We must through, 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 <laughs> through, Greek word, word dia, which means a channel of an act that you go in one end and out the other. So I'm talking about I'm going to have pressure. I'm going to have difficulties. I'm going to have opposition in my life. But God says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he delivers them out of them all. We must through tribulation. Hey, we're going to have it, church. Don't be shocked. We walk by faith and not by sight. So it's a rallying cry. We'll strengthen the church. Exhort the church because we're not going to be a, a milk toast candy apple church. We're going to be dependent on the Word of God. 
and say, hey, we're not just looking for bless me. I'm looking for, God, what are you saying? If I take persecution, if it costs me this or that, it doesn't matter. I want to be confident when Jesus appears and not ashamed because I gave up because it got hard. So I want us to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Got a lot more I'd like to say, but I just, I just want us to pray right here. If you just ask the Holy Spirit, do something for me. As we, as we get ready for this moment, I want you to ask Holy Spirit, what is it that you're saying to me right now through this message? Mount Carmel, E. Rhodes family, right here in North City, podcast listener, the Holy Spirit has something in this message that he wants to be rhema for you, life spoken word to you. What is that? Are there areas of your life where Jesus is not Lord? He's just part of your life, but he's not in control. Are the things that you've compromised on that God's wanting to draw your attention to? Are you ashamed of Jesus? Are you ashamed of being a Christian around your friends? Do you kind of hide that? Have you kind of watered it down and like said, well, you know, I don't want to be extreme. I don't want to too far. I want to fit in. I want people to like me. I want him to like me. I want her to like me. Have you begun to box in where you're ashamed a little bit of standing out for God. God says, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Jesus spoke that. So listen, we don't want to be ashamed of being on the right answer. We should have confidence. We serve God. If people don't want to be a part of your life circle, if you're living for Jesus, then you need to go on and move forward. Do not be ashamed of what is right. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.